My brothers and sisters in Christ, this Sunday's sermon addresses the mystery of handing on the faith. Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. He spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and smeared the clay on his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back able to see. His neighbors and those who had seen him earlier as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is. But others said, No, he just looks like him. He said, I am. They brought the one who was once blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus had made clay and opened his eyes on a Sabbath. So then the Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and now I can see. So some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a sinful man do such things? And there was division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you have to say about him? Since he opened your eyes, he said, He's a prophet. They answered and said to him, You were born totally in sin, and you are trying to teach us. Then they threw him out. When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, he found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord, and he worshipped him. The Gospel of the Lord. This week I heard about a company executive who was making his way through Newark Penn Station. Suddenly he noticed a man and camped in a corner near the escalator tracks. All of the classic signs were there. Poor grooming vacant stare, trash bags filled with possessions, a bit of a smell. Looking down, the executive noticed something oddly familiar about the man. As he told his wife later, he looked like me. He even had on the same linen dress shirt, the same color blue with French cuffs. How could this be? Those shirts are special ordered. His wife confessed that earlier in the week, while running errands, she inadvertently dropped off her husband's dry-cleaning bag in the Goodwill bin, confusing it with his donated leftovers. That homeless man in Newark Penn Station was literally wearing her husband's favorite shirt. Suddenly this executive saw the man in a different light. He was no longer an anonymous being defined by his homelessness. He was a brother, in a sense, wearing his own skin. Today's gospel people define a man by his blindness. Even the gospel withholds his name. He's simply referred to as the man born blind. To be blind in Jesus' time was considered divine punishment, a sin. Rabbi, the disciples ask, who sinned, this man or his parents? 
Neither he nor his parents sinned, Jesus says. It is so that the works of God might be made visible through him. Suddenly Jesus kneels down, spits on the ground and makes clay with the dirt and saliva, and smears it onto the man's eyes. After washing in water, he's able to see. Instead of celebrating, everyone, even his parents, struggled to see him as anything more than a man born blind. The Gospel tells us he's brought before the scribes and Pharisees, seemingly to be put on trial. How are you able to see? Who did this to you? What can you say about him? Where is he? Then they call upon this once blind man's parents, who also throw their own son under the bus because they're afraid of upsetting the authorities. Ask him. He is of age, they say. He can speak for himself. Question him. It hurts to imagine parents throwing their children under the bus because of their faith. But this poor man is left to testify alone. The authorities, his community, even his own family, abandon him. The only one who stands by him is Jesus. How many of our children feel like the man born blind? They're new to the faith. They're little. They're innocent. And yet people question them. They go to school and their science teacher tells them that God isn't real because the world began with a bang. Or someone they love gets sick. They watch them struggle with their health and they wonder why. How can God do this? Maybe it's something as simple as passing by a homeless man in Newark Penn Station who's wearing your favorite shirt. And yet, the young ones fail to recognize that it's Christ living in him. Are we doing enough to instill faith in our youth? In our parish, there's 35 hours of instruction in seven days over the summer even 35 hours over seven months during the year. Is that enough? Do we know enough about our own faith to answer their questions? Could it be that God is asking us to dive deeper as a community of faith responsible for handing this faith on? to the next generation. The Gospel of Matthew, the final words of Jesus, are go and make disciples of all nations. This word disciple comes from the Latin discipulus, meaning learner. Disciples are those who are actively learning about their faith, prayer, study, and charity. 
It's a journey that begins at baptism, but ends not at confirmation, but when we are called home by name to the Lord. This is why we exist as a parish, to love the Lord with all of our mind, all of our heart, all of our body, and all of our soul. And then our neighbor, the little ones, is ourself. To make disciples of every parishioner while inviting others to come and see. As St. Peter tells us, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. <laughs>